Our scripture reading this morning is Isaiah chapter 3. If you will stand with me in honor of reading God's word. Isaiah chapter 3 says, For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply, all support of bread and all support of water. The mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and the man of rank, the counselor and the skillful magician, and the expert in charms. And I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them. And the people will oppress one another, every one his fellow, and every one his neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder, and the despised to the honorable. For a man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your rule. And that day he will speak out, saying, I will not be a healer. In my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You shall not make me leader of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. For he looked on, the, on their faces, for, he, for the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with them, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. The Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What, you, what do you mean by crushing my people, by grinding their faces, the faces of the poor, declares the Lord of hosts. The Lord said, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, minced, mincing along as they go, tinkling with their feet, Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. And that day the Lord will take away the finery of the, of the anklets, the headbands and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes and the amulets, the signet rings and the nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks and the handbags, the, t the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans and the veils. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth. A branding, a brand, and branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty men in battle. And her gates shall lament and mourn. Empty, she shall sit on the ground. And God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, church. Just so you know, uh, I'm looking at the clock, so I won't go too far for you guys, okay? But just so you know, uh, this sermon that I prepared for today, I had already prepared a long time ago. This was the first lesson that I gave the youth, and I adapted to make it a sermon because when I made that lesson, I, I really wanted to preach already for the church. So this is something that I've been saving for this time. So here we go. 
next, next Sunday there will be one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it's gonna, you can already open in your Bibles in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. And as everybody already knows, I talk to my hands. I, I talk with my hands, not to them. That would be quite, quite something. And um, just leave it open there. We're going to get there in a few minutes. I'm going to give a little background first. I'm going to talk about Moses. Moses is my favorite character in the Bible because I really, I look at him and I relate a lot, especially in the parts that he argues with God. He's very stubborn. So Moses, he, uh, going a little bit before that, the, the Pharaoh, he was, he started noticing that the Israelites were growing in numbers and the Israelites were not very well taken care of by the Egyptians. They were slaves. And the Pharaoh started being worried that the, the, the Israelites would grow in number to the point that they would outnumber the Egyptians. So he decided to, to have this wicked plan of killing all the newborn babies, the, the newborn male babies that would be coming from the Israelites. And Moses' mother, in fear for her, for her son... Moses' mother, her, her name is Jochebed. Jochebed, in fear for her son's life, decides to put him on, on a little basket and puts, on, puts him on, on the river. And the river, the river streams take baby Moses to the place where the, the daughter of Pharaoh was bathing. And her servants see baby Moses there, and they, they look at him, and of course they, they see, I'm Jewish, so they see his Jewish face. That is really, I mean, who would resist that face? So they, they see him, and she want, the, the Pharaoh's daughter wants that baby for herself. So she looks for somebody to nurse him, and by God's provision, uh, it, the person that was the woman that nursed Moses was his mother. And I don't know what happened in the background, but I believe that they went looking for, for somebody to nurse, and, and Moses' mother was like, pick, pick me, pick me. And, and God provided that she took care of him, and the Bible describes that she took care of him until he was a grown boy. Basically, I believe that until he would go to the palace without giving too much trouble to the Pharaoh. So uh, that also hints us that Moses did know that he was a Hebrew throughout his life. Okay, there was all the passages in the Bible that, that show us that he knew that he was a Hebrew. He, he was not one of those that's like, what? He didn't tell me that I was adopted. Uh, he knew. So he grows up knowing that he was a Hebrew, knowing that he had all the privileges that he could have in the world. He, he was the Pharaoh's grandson. He could have anything he wanted. Anything he desired, it was at his reach. He lived in the palace. He had connections. He had money. He had everything he wanted. He, he had connections that people that worked in the palace for years wanted to have because he was part of the Pharaoh's family. He had everything. Moses was the man. And I believe that even people, like the Hebrew people, looked up to him and said, man, what a lucky guy. Look how blessed he is. Look how God has taken care of Moses. And of course, there were, there were probably also envious people that just badmouthed Moses and, and didn't like Moses be, because they were envious of how, how much God had 
bless Moses with, with everything that he had there in the palace of the Pharaoh. Moses just had everything. Imagine anything, okay? I know we cannot imagine a Ferrari because that would be going back in time, but he had everything that would be equivalent to that and even more. He had riches. He had uh, everyone looked up to him. He was the lucky guy that survived the massacre that the Pharaoh had made for all the baby Hebrew uh, boys, and he survived. And not only he survived, he survived in a, in a wealthy and influential family. And not only a, not only any, any influential family, but the most influential family at the time. So he was extremely, extremely, extremely blessed. But one day, Moses already grown, was walking around and he saw that one, uh, one of the Hebrew slaves was being mistreated. And he went there for, for his protection and he ended up killing the man that was mis mistreating the Hebrew, the Hebrew slave. And the Bible says that he hid that, that, that body in sand. And then he kept going, but later on he, he saw a fight between two Hebrew men and he went there trying to, to stop the fight. And then one of the men said, are you, don't, please don't kill us. Are you, are you going to do, do with us what you did with that man that you killed? And Moses started noticing that people probably already knew what was going on. And, the, and Egypt, even though he was part of the family, Egypt had lost he had killed a man he would probably be killed as well so fearing for his life Moses flees to the desert open with me chapter 3 of Exodus I'm not gonna read all the chat uh, uh, the, the verses are gonna vary so that's why I just put in the bulletin chapter 3 and chapter 4 we're gonna be jumping a few verses chapter 3 of Exodus says now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he, had, he, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, of the wilderness to, uh, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I'm going to stop right there. I'm, I'm already confused. What happened? Moses had everything, and now he lives in the desert, and he, it says here that he's taking care of the flock of Jethro. He didn't even have his own flock. And by the way, the Midianites, they're, they're nomadic people. So they didn't even have their own land either. Moses goes from having everything to having absolutely nothing. He's taking care of a flock that does not, not even belong to him, in a land that does not belong to him. To the, uh, just so you know, in the, uh, if you read a little more, you're going to see that he names his, uh, his son, Gorsham, which means, uh, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. There you go, I'll relate again. So Moses didn't have his land, he didn't have his people, he didn't have his language, he didn't have uh, his, um, he didn't have a, a job that he could say, you know, this is, this is where, uh, we read a lot, uh, uh, we read a lot about shepherds in the Bible, but I want you already to be aware that shepherd is not a big deal job, in the, not, it's not in the Bible, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, it's a job that you stay in the sun all day taking care of sheep. How boring is that? I mean, you're there all day. It's bad everywhere, and, you know, and, and, and you have to be 
collecting them. And they're, sheep, are, sheep are not the smartest animals e either. Um, if you Google, there is a news article. It's, uh, not, a, not an article, but there is a, a news. I guess it is an article. There's a news article about this um, flock of sheep that they all died because one sheep decided to jump off a cliff and all the sheep just decided to follow that one. So that shows how smart they are. So you're working with, with a lot of dumb animals that are really needy in the hot sun with, with a bunch of snakes everywhere. And, I mean, you don't have cell phone to tell if it's going to rain in a, few, in a few hours. So it's not the most fun job. So Moses is there, and he goes from having absolutely everything that the world could offer to having absolutely nothing. Nothing. Moses had absolutely nothing. You can look at the life of Moses right now, and he probably sees himself as a loser. Because why do I know that? Because I'm a human and I know he was a human too. And when you have a lot and you lose a lot, you tend to blame yourself for losing a lot. Let's continue reading real quick. So Moses goes to the, the he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at the Lord. Moses knew he was a sinner. He knew the things he had done. He knew he was a killer. And he knew he deserved to be where he was. But then, Moses, when he had absolutely nothing, he has this, this moment with God. God attracts him with a, with a burning bush. You just imagine the sight of this, this little bush that is really green and beautiful, but it's in flames, but it doesn't burn. And, and Moses goes there. And to check it out and and God calls him by name and and, and the Bible you see it has Moses Moses you know when you read the the, the, the Bible in in, in papyrus or or in in pigskin as, as it was originally written many times the whenever they didn't have ways to make it bold otherwise they would just tear the material that they were writing on. So, so they would repeat the word to emphasize, to make it loud or, or emphasize. So basically, God is here yelling and saying, Moses! And Moses, here I am. And God's saying, take off your shoes. The place where you're at right now 
is holy ground. Why, why is it holy ground? Is it the sand? Is it a specific geographic location? Is it something, some, some light that just came from the sun like a beam and made that, like in the moves, oh, and, and made that holy ground? It is the fact that the presence of God was there. So what happens then? What happens? Moses meets with God when he has absolutely nothing. And what happens then? Well, they have a little argument. We're going to see here in chapter 4. Let's go to jump to chapter 4. And God basically wants Moses to go talk to the, the Pharaoh and to the Israelites. And chapter, chapter 4, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen? Or, or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Let's stop right here. What is the only thing that Moses could call his? That staff. A piece of wood. Replaceable. Easy to find. Not worth anything. But, but at least he could call his. He didn't have a land. He didn't have a flock. He had a really not so great job. And... He had a staff that he could, he could call his. And he is here arguing with God and saying, God, I, you know, I'm not very good at speech. I can relate again. So, by the, which is funny because Moses probably spoke Hebrew. He probably spoke the language of the Egyptians, which today Egyptians speak Arabic, but they probably did not speak it then. And he spoke the language of the Midianites. And he's there complaining to God, no, I don't, I don't speak well, and it's not going to work. And just pick someone else, it's not me. Whatever, how are they going to believe me? I mean, I, I left. It, I have nothing, I have nothing to impress them. And God says, what is, what is the only thing that you have? What is everything that you have? Throw it on that ground that I just called holy. And that holy ground is holy because of my presence. Throw, it, throw that staff at my presence. Throw everything that you have at my presence. Whether it is big or small, great, or whether it is, people are impressed by it or not. Throw everything at the ground. And the Bible says that that, that staff became a, a snake. And, uh, this, and remember... Moses is a shepherd. He probably was used to dealing with snakes. But at that time, he was afraid. That shows how, how great the serpent was. Now, here's a little detail that sometimes we read the Bible and we just read the story is amazing, but we, we let go so many cool details. What is it that is on the crown of the Pharaoh? A snake. The snake is for the Egyptians the highest symbol of power. And Moses grew up among, among Egyptians, so he knew that too. Mo, uh, so God tells jo, uh, Moses, wrong shepherd, okay. God tells Moses, get everything that you have. 
throw it at my presence and let me show you how I can make it, turn it into something powerful. And not only I'll show you how to, uh, uh, that I can turn it into something powerful, I will make it uh, obvious to everyone else that it's, that it's something powerful. Because once the Egyptians see that, they're going to understand what's going on. God did not use Moses when he had everything. Because if God used Moses when he had everything, he would say, it's probably because I have this or that. My connections helped here. You know, I'll have a little money here to, to work things around. God used the most of Moses when he had absolutely nothing. I mean, what you've seen here, I could emphasize even more how much of a loser Moses was. I bet he would, would like have insomnia some nights thinking, why did I do that? Why did I get into that fight? That was not even my deal. There were guards there for, for, to do that. And now I'm here, I don't have anything. Why did that happen? And many times we are in the desert wondering why did that happen? How did I get here? And why am I here? And we just look at everything that we have, that broken car, the house needing repairs, our health just going down. Finances, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm, I'm in the seminary. And we, we think I'm, I'm too young or I'm too old or I don't have many friends. I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not very good at singing. You know, I, I live too far. And we just have so much to show all these excuses and we know that we really don't have a lot but then God's, God just wants us to get everything that we have and just lay it at his feet and he will turn into his glory you know what if Moses had just kept going with all the excuses he would never see the sea being parted in front of him and so many times we don't see the seas being parted in front, of, in front of us because we have so many excuses not to serve God. And we just don't want to be used by God because we doubt ourselves and we end up doubting God. And we forgot that our hands and our eyes and our everything was made by God. For God. And this sermon was not as you can see it was not prepared for the lost this sermon was prepared today for you church it was prepared for you to understand that God wants to use you it doesn't matter what you have he used the staff of Moses because Moses was really 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 stubborn but God does not need anything from you you know a missionary once told me I was I was uh, uh, jokingly proud in a mission trip and this missionary friend of mine he's going to be uh, uh, my groomsman and he came to me and he said sit down young man when God wants to reach lost people he's not going to need you or I he can't he can use anyone we're privileged for that the same way that Moses was privileged to to do everything that God used him to do 
I don't know what your staff is. I don't know what it is, everything that you have. You know, the staff was probably a symbol of failure for, for Moses. You know, when you, when you lose so much, when you have something so little, you look at that and you're like, this is all I have. This is nothing. This is worthless. That staff was probably a reminder of how much of a failure Moses was being. When God is still used the symbol of failure into a symbol of victory. I don't know what, what your staff is. I don't know what it is that you have that you don't think is much. I don't know what it is that you think you don't have. Well, let me tell you, it is not you that prepare yourselves. It was not Moses that planned. Let me go to the let me go to the desert so that I can train myself to walk in the desert so I can lead a people in the desert for 40 years. Let me go there and learn how to deal with snakes. Let me go there and learn how to depend on God every day. So that when I'm leading the people behind me, I know exactly what to do. God had everything being prepared. Even the time in the desert was part of God's plan. He, God did not want a newbie that did not know anything about the desert. He had to take him to the desert. And sometimes, in fact, every time you are in the desert, God is training you for something. And I believe that every one of you guys here is going through a desert right now. And the question that I have, the question that I have is very simple. Are you willing to put everything that you have in the presence of the Lord and just let Him use you? Just let Him use you. Stop thinking, I don't have much. I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at singing. I don't play guitar as well as Wayne. I really don't. I, I don't know. VBS is happening and, and there will be so many things happening, missionally speaking too, and locally and, and in the church and in the community. And I believe that God can use a small church in Gordon, Texas. The same way God used Moses in the middle of the desert with us nomadic people that didn't even have their own land. And by the way, the Midianites are not even very good friends with the Hebrew people. You can see that when you read in Judges about Gideon. And still he uses Moses with a with a so so seen enemy people and uses everything and the miracles just start happening. So guys I have I have a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this altar open here, this part right here, the foyer of the church. And I would like to know are you willing to just be available? You, you, right now, I know that Moses did not know how he was going to be used. But he was like, all right, I give up. You, you win, God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I would like you, if you would like to say, I want to be used. From now on, I just want to be used. I don't know how, but I want you. And I don't want anybody else to take this privilege from me. I want you to be used. I want you to come forward right here. This sermon, this sermon is not for the lost. This sermon is for the church. If you are part of the church and you want to be used in the community, in the church, somehow, I want you to come right now. As, as Wayne's playing right now, I want you to come. And I want you to... to this, is your, this is you saying publicly, I want to be used. And I don't know how. 
but I know God will use me. So when there's an opportunity to be used, I will be there. When there's an opportunity to be used by God, I'm not going to limit Him. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's my limitations that will limit Him. I will just let Him use me. Throw your staff at the ground. Throw your staff on the ground and at the feet of God. Throw everything you have, whether it is a lot, whether it is too little, whether, whether it is something that you're ashamed of, whether it is a tool that you believe that God can use. Throw it at His feet. God never disappoints. Never, never, never. He will use you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you're going to. It doesn't matter what your plans were or are. It doesn't matter the, the set of skills that you have. It doesn't matter the set of skills that you don't have. He, he, he will use you. And this church will, by the grace and power of God, be an impacting church. Because this church has made a commitment to just let God use it. Let me pray real quick. God, you're so good. You're so good to use us. Even when we are worthless, we are the staff, God, and we mean nothing. And we're so replaceable. God, just, we don't know how, but use us, God, and open the seas in front of us and bring the water out of the rocks for us, God. And let us learn how to deal with the people that is unfaithful. And God, let us go back to our people, the people that are captive, the people that are still in slavery, the people that are still needing to know what it is to be free in you, God. Let us go back to them and talk about you and set them free, God. Let us set the captive free. Just use us, God. Use this church. Use this people. Use this community. God, and grow this community not only in quantity, but in quality every day. And teach us to go through the desert however long it takes, God. I pray that in Jesus' name.